The New Testament reading can be found on page 1833. It is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, as we come before you this morning, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for one another and we pray that you would be with us as we just seek to align ourselves and remind ourselves of who you are and what you have done. Amen. Well, I wonder, a quick survey, how many of you uh, had this sort of situation on Christmas Day or another day? Um, How many of you uh, got a present that didn't fit? One or two. Okay, very good. How many of you got a present that didn't have any instructions? How many of you got a present that had instructions, but they were in another language? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so sometimes there's that sense, isn't there, in which we've received something, but we're not sure what to do with it. We're not sure uh, what it is. It leads us to perhaps being unhappy uh, or un- uh, frustrated or um, just, just angry, really, that Christmas was a bit of a bust. Um, I remember two Christmas with it, which should have had earrings in, and the following year, an empty CD case that should have had a CD in it. Um, after that, we just didn't trust. I just handed over presents uh, to Catherine. And so you can handle those because I think I'm on three for, three for you know, hat trick for death, really, anyway. But um, it's important. We're talking about at Christmas, we remind ourselves about God coming into the world, that the word was made flesh, that he came and lived amongst us. And there's a fullness, I love the way that little section ends, there's a fullness to that, which we don't always uh, comprehend, uh, and I'm not going to be able to cover all of that today, but let's just remind ourselves that what we, what we have received. And Paul is writing to this church, uh, we've looked at this letter before, but he's writing to this church 
uh, along with the church in Laodicea, uh, because they're, they're, they're doing well. They're young church, but they're young churches, uh, and they're struggling with some of the things that are coming in. And he wants to encourage them to grow in maturity, so he wants them to deepen their faith, he wants them to, to, to sort of put more of their trust in God, and in unity. And this was one of the issues that they were struggling with because there were lots of conflicting ideas. And Paul is so honest, isn't he? He's, he's lovely to them. I think we, sometimes we give Paul a bit of a reputation he doesn't deserve, but I want you to know how much I am he's contending with ideas that are going around and starting to infiltrate the church. But he wants them to be encouraged by one. He's struggling for them. He wants people to know the whole gospel too. He wants them to be encouraged that he cares for them and even if they haven't met him personally, he's praying for them. There's a sense in which he really wants them to know that he is on their side. All the things uh, that, that God wants people to understand are things that Paul is wrestling with to make them uh, understood. But the issue he's wrestling with, for, particularly for Colossae and probably Laodicea, is this Greek sophistry and Jewish philosophy and tradition that seems to be uh, sneaking into the church. You can read a little bit about it. You see in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And then further down, if you turn the page, page uh, verse 16, don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to religious festivals, new moon celebrations, or Sabbath days. People were starting to bring in other ideas. Now, from the, from in terms of the Greek philosophy, earth, wind, fire, and water were the elemental things that were starting to seep in to the Christian teaching uh, um, in, in Colossae. mix of sort of pagan and Jewish um, ideas as well, idea, uh, beliefs, particularly about angels. We read about those later on, that they were having visions, and you had to understand those angels, and you had to understand those visions, and you had to also try and work out the balance of earth and water in, in your life and what have you. Nonsense. <laughs> you know, just how confusing that must be for a young church that's trying to wrestle with what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to believe and follow Jesus Christ? How, does it, how can I make sense of this world around me? And, and it's a mess. It's a mess because it's almost as though the early church was being tempted to say, yeah, Jesus is really great, but he fits in with all of this other stuff as well. There's all of these other things that we're doing, and Jesus is just one of them. And that was what was happening in this early Christian church. It would be almost, imagine, right, imagine if the Church of England or any other denomination said, right, Jesus is come along just to show you that we're right about everything else that we do. You know, we, we celebrate Christmas because that underlines everything else we do, but the rest of the year we kind of ignore what Jesus came to do. Like, you know, Jesus came to make church going attractive. That's the sort of, sort of, that's the sort of stuff that's filtering in. But Paul is very clear and crystal when he addresses this issue in verse 6. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. And I think the word order is quite important. Occasionally, Paul switches Christ Jesus and Jesus Christ round. 
And when he puts Christ in front, one of the things he's doing is he's emphasizing Christ's messianic title. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. So what he's doing is he's reminding the readers that this Christ who's coming is God's anointed one. Not any Tom, Dick or Harry, not some other prophet, God's own anointed one, upon whom his blessing and favour rests, in whom all of the promises are fulfilled. There's promises from centuries before. He's the one who has the authority to speak God's words and make them happen. He's the one that you were waiting for. He's the one that Israel were desperate to see, this shepherd king who would come and rule them in a way that they would, they would appreciate and understand, that he would tend to them, be gentle with them, and show God's love to them. All of these all says, you have received Christ. You have received into your life the, the Messiah, God's anointed king. When he says received, He's not saying it's not some spiritual transaction, although there's a spiritual element to it. You've believed. You've heard what was said and you've believed it. Sometimes, sometimes I suppose, when we're thinking about talking to people about Jesus, you know, we, we hope that God will just intervene, don't we, really? <laughs> just, just like overpower them and do it for me. But there's an element here where Paul is saying, no, the, the stuff that you'd heard, the stuff that has been passed on to you, is what people need to wrestle with. The truth about Christmas is that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And that's what people need to wrestle with, and that's the truth that the Colossians had, had received. They believed it. It wasn't something that they'd taken their brain out. They'd wrestled with it. They'd put it together. Paul spent a lot of his time arguing from Scripture that this was the one who was promised. So they're not to lose that. We're not to lose hold of, of, of our grasp of Scripture, the promises in God's Word, the things that hold us together and prove that he is exactly who he said he was. And we live then, who is love, who is holy. And he calls us to live the same way. And he calls us into that rule where things don't necessarily work out the way we think they might where actually he does things in the opposite way to the rest of the world, where his values don't necessarily match what the world is looking for. And sometimes he calls us to make sacrifice, to give of ourselves, not to look after ourselves. And sometimes he asks us to be holy, even when the rest of the world is saying, come on, join in, it's fine. We live under his rule which is for the good of those who love him. So we receive this saviour, this Christ, who's come as a king, a shepherd king, but a king nonetheless. And we should behave and live according to the ruler that we say is the Lord of our life. That's the first thing uh, that Paul reminds them of. And the second thing is that they've received Jesus. This Messiah had the name Jesus. The name Jesus is the Greek form of Yeshua. And Yeshua means he who saves, saviour, the world, the people. 
Joseph, in the Christmas story, is told that this saviour would save his people from their sins. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to stand in the gap between man and God. He came as an atoning, at-oneing sacrifice between man and God, between God and his fallen creatures. People who were far from God could come back to him. They could be restored in relationship to him. Jesus came for people like that, for people like you, for people like me, who were far from God and needed rescuing. And we forget that. And I love uh, this picture, Caravaggio's um, Jesus appears to doubting Thomas because there's that authenticity. It's, it's not just the cross, it's the resurrection too. That you've received the story of the one who didn't just die but rose again. The Romans crucified thousands of people but only one came back for you. And only one went to the cross for you. The others went for their crimes. But only one came back for us. And so we have received this sight of that. It's easy to lose sight that there's so many things going on in the world, going on in the church. And actually, our core sense of being is rooted in being living, living under a king who saved you. That's, that's who we are. That's what it means to be in Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Someone who lives under the rule of the Lord who saved them. And Paul is encouraged because they've received this gospel. If you look, he's encouraged in verse three, uh, 4 and 5. He's delighted to see how strong their faith is because they've understood and they've grasped this. They've made it part of who they are and he's excited for them but he's also got some advice just steer clear of fine sounding arguments in verse 4 fine sounding philosophy things that make Christ less than who he is and one of I've said it before one of the dangers in the west is that we make Jesus look like a western liberal not like the lord of, of creation not like the one under whom all of creation uh, is subject but we have received him. And that means he will receive us. Our status has changed. Uh, continue to live in him, end of verse 6, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Say this word, peripatio. Peripatio. Right, the Greek scholars among you will know that that means to walk around. But it also, yes it does, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I'll pick on everybody too. But it also means, but it also means to live, and to live is to walk around, and to walk around is to live in Christ, and to be in Christ is to walk around in Him and with Him. You're inseparable. You've been placed in Him, and He is living in you. He's given you the seal of the Holy Spirit in your heart to make that, to ratify that. To make that true. You can't be far from him. You're never far from him because he said, I will be with you always. Not some of the time. Not after 9am. Not before 10pm. Always. And our lives should be shaped by that 
Jesus is always with me. The Lord who made everything and saved me is always with me. Those are, those are good things to remind ourselves of. I don't know what your New, res, new Year's resolutions are. I will, uh, again, give up smoking because I've managed it for the last 21 years. <laughs> People say it's difficult. But I know Oscar Wilde said uh, Oscar, giving up is easy. I've done it many times. That was the one you're thinking of. <laughs> um, but, but it is important to hold on to uh, who we've been made to be. And, that's this, and that is in this little word, rooted. Verse 7, rooted. You've been established in Christ. You belong to a different being, body. You, you have changed. The effect of the gospel is to make you a different order of thing, a different sort of person. And wouldn't it be wonderful if the church lived like that? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the church could be seen to be like that? Because that's what Paul's prayer is for them, that they would grow in this unity. He's excited for them, because he sees the potential. The potential of a group of people who, rooted in Christ, are prepared to be like Christ whenever, whenever they are, wherever they're peripatoing, in order that people would see what the life of Christ, the light of life, looks like. The impact that can have. And it doesn't have to be worldwide. It could just be your neighbour. It could just be somebody in your family who just needs to hear and see things like Jesus would do. Someone who doesn't know forgiveness, who doesn't know Jesus' lordship or care, but that's what we've been put here to do. That's what church is for. A collection of people to share in the love and worship of God. Shall we pray?